0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Get a little bit of a late start here today. Sorry about that, but um, I am in the process. We are officially in the process of finding a new member of the family. Um, we're going to look at a dog today. That's what we're going to go do. Um, daughter has been begging and begging and begging. And since we now own a home, can't keep using the whole, we can't, it's not allowed in our rental excuse. So we finally said, okay, fine. She's been doing lots of research and everything else. She knows what kind of dog and I don't know. So it's, I I, I don't really care. I mean, I do. I don't want a little, little dinky guy, but, uh, you know. But anyways, we're going to look at uh, a batch of English shepherds. Um, they're, I don't know, like four weeks old or something, so we can't take them home, but we're going to go look at them and touch him and poke him and uh, see how it goes, I guess. And eventually, probably bring one home. So that'll be kind of cool. We're, we, we can bring the dog home in um, August. So it'll be right around football time. I'll be able to have a little doggy. Um Probably probably won't be like like a cool dog that comes and wants to like hang out and watch football with me yet, but that's 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 what I want. And eventually that will be a thing. Also in the news today just kind of came through on the wire for me just before I started the podcast. Um, the Green Bay Packers released that the family night tickets are going on sale today at 10 o'clock. That is I believe central time because me and the Packers are in central time. and That's what the Packers care about, me and the Packers. Um, so by the time this is live, if you want to get family night tickets, be sure to go do it. Um, I did it once. It was a terrible experience, not the fault of the Packers. It was my daughter's fault. She was, like, one, and she was a nightmare. She was horrible. It was way past everybody's bedtime. She, (laughs) I think I've I've mentioned this before. Um, It was during the national anthem. She was screaming, and it's, you could hear a pin drop in that stadium. And I saw people from, like, the opposite side of the stadium glaring at me because she was screaming her head off. She also, they gave us these little blow-up balloon things that you wave around, and she exclusively wanted to hit the people in front of us, and I kept taking them away, but they're just everywhere. They're all over. She'd find them, pick it up, smack the guy in front of me, so terrible experience, but I'm sure your experience will be much better. Go buy tickets, so that'd be great. Anyways, before we get into it, thank you very much to another anonymous donor for the uh, $26.50 donation, bringing us to a grand total of $894. We are $6 away from getting to $900 and that's a round number and that's important so if you got $6 burning your hole in your pocket uh, if you want to head over to the Palmer Home for Children actually uh, if you go to my Twitter it will be the pin post as well as in the Packin' a Podcast Facebook group you'll find a pin post at the top there you can put a $6 donation in get us to 900 or seven make it 901 just just suggestions they're just suggestions um, also if you're not in the Packin' a Podcast Facebook group if you haven't liked on a Podcast Facebook page, or whatever. You might want to do that. Um, I know I've been teasing that mac and cheese video. I just emailed it to myself. Just all those videos from my phone. I was trying to find editors on my phone, and those things are so stupid. Everything's easier on a PC. I don't know why everybody's like, dude, just use your phone. It's so much easier. It's not. It's no, There's no way. I've got dual monitors, a keyboard, a mouse. I've got all these different things. i got high-powered programs. Like, there's no way on my phone just... It's going to be easier. It's not. I can't. People are lying when they say stuff. It's also why I don't like apps that are like exclusive. Like Instagram is hard because it's like I'm on my computer and I want to do stuff. Like, oh, you have to use your cell phone for that. Then I'm not using it. Stupid. Anyways, um, I am. While I'm working on that, I'm also currently, and this is kind of weird because people are watching me say this. Currently recording myself doing this podcast for a behind the scenes. it's going much worse than I anticipated. <laughs> it's, I'm much more scattered than I thought when I realized people are watching me. Um, you know, I, I don't do a lot of post-production or really any post-production with the podcast, but I at least pause and then go on my random tirades and um, talk nonsense to myself and check my phone. And now people are going to be watching me do that, and it's really uncomfortable. So... Anyways, I'm doing it only because I said I would for all these donations, and since we're up to 900, I feel like I'm I'm owing it to you. And since I took the day off and I got a little bit extra time, let's try it out and see how it goes. Anyways, in the news today, uh, apparently we have a brand new sack leader via CBSSports.com. New unofficial sack total suggests ex-Lions player bested Michael Strahan's sack record in the 78 rookie campaign. So the official sack record... Um, looks like was not officially recorded until 1982, but pro football reference has gone back to 1962. I'm assuming they're continuing to go back, back, back. But at this point, they're back to 1962 looking at sack totals. Um, I guess you would call them unofficial, meaning the NFL hasn't given it a stamp of approval, but who cares? They've gone back to 1962 and found that former Lions pro bowler Al Bubba Baker actually hit the 23-sack mark during the 1978 Defensive Rookie of the Year campaign. Um, previously, 22.5 was the record held by Michael Strahan. So kind of an interesting nugget, kind of don't care. But um, for you history buffs out there, maybe that's interesting. In other news, uh, Bears head coach Matt Nagy said he wants 20 rushing attempts per game for David Montgomery. Continuing on, this is via NFL.com. Nagy, unlike most coaches who insist they'll run the ball no matter what, conceded that Montgomery's workload will hinge on game script. Quote, depending on what the game is, what's happening in the last couple years, and why some of David's carries, which aren't low, haven't been quite as high as a lot of guys get get it in the four-minute mode of the fourth quarter. Basically, whatever. Nagy says stupid stuff, and (laughs) he goes on to say that Montgomery's like one of his favorite players, which I don't know why as a coach he would say that, but anyways... Point is, what he's saying is, I want to get this guy 20 carries, but we have to have a lead, which kind of made me chuckle a little bit, but that's that's going to be their goal. Score a bunch of points, get up way in front of somebody so that we can force feed this guy 20 carries. Whatever. Point is, Nagy's flat out saying, I'm obsessed with this guy. I think he's fantastic. I can't wait to get him more carries. So from a fantasy football perspective, this is somewhat important. Um, to give you a little bit of context, David Montgomery last year was already fourth in attempts, and this is with play, uh, having played 15 games. Um, he had 247 attempts. Now, that means he had 16 and a half carries per game, roughly. To have gotten to that mark on a 16-game um, season, you have to have 320 attempts. The only person who met that mark was Derrick Henry, who was also one of the few that actually played 16 games, but Derrick Henry had 378 attempts. But if you bump that up to 17 games now, we're talking about 340 carries is what Matt Nagy wants to give Mr. David Montgomery. That's the goal. That would make him probably second in the NFL if things kind of stay about the way that they are. The only other guy that gets anywhere near that is Dalvin Cook, who actually played 14 games, so he's probably about on pace with that 20 per game. So Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and now David Montgomery, um he would like to have up into that category. When you get after Dalvin Cook, you're talking Josh Jacobs 273. So 378, 312, 273 There's a massive drop-off. There's really just two guys that just run, 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 run. And basically Matt Nagy is saying we want to put him in that category. But again, he gave us the massive caveat of we have to have a lead first, which is a different thing. The Minnesota Vikings and the Tennessee Titans, I think the reason that they're up as high as they are is they say, we're going to run. There's no caveat. There's no, but we have to have a lead. It's just, no, no, we're just going to run. Granted, it helps when you have a lead. But there are also teams where even if there isn't necessarily a lead, we're still going to lean on it and we're still going to attack and we're still going to, we're probably going to come back. So I don't know how much stock I put into that. But for further context, we're looking at a total, if we use his normal yards per carry or what he had last year, at 4.3 yards per carry, 1,462 yards for the season. You know, you want to know what my prediction is? My prediction is that you're going to see a lot of the same. Maybe they're going to push it a little bit more. But look, it's a a lot... David Montgomery was a fourth highest rusher in the NFL. So I don't really buy it. However, I will say um, David Montgomery is going to be... Apparently already was a very good fantasy ad, but will be a very good option. Um, As far as... because there's only so many variables, right? You've got how many carries, and then you've got yards per carry. Those are the two biggest variables to determine, uh, well, for fantasy football, also touchdowns matter. Um, and that's a completely separate question. And I'm not a fantasy guy, so you don't have to take your advice necessarily from me. But it is important to note um, that he's already one of the highest touching touches, that sounded weird, touches running backs in the NFL um, saying that he's going to get up to that degree, I don't know. And, and again, you are adding another game, but you're adding another game to everybody, so that doesn't really impact things. Um, and again, he's four point three. The question, the biggest question, really is, is that four point three going to go up? Because Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry are not only above him, but even if he matches that, let's say he goes from uh, two forty-seven to three twelve like Dalvin Cook's at. And again, Dalvin played one less game, but let's just say they get the same amount of touches. Dalvin Cook had five yards per carry compared to David Montgomery's four point three. Derrick Henry had five point four yards per carry. Um, so, I mean, it is what it, that that that's really the biggest variable for me. Not is he going to get a bunch more touches because that again, even even Nagy said that's dependent on game script. That's dependent on how this game is playing out. It's dependent. On, I'm sure part of that is how well we're running the ball, which may not be very good because again, the offensive line has not really been improving much. Um, they did give away everything to go up and get a quarterback, and then gave away everything that was left to go up and get a tackle. but remember that tackle is just a replacement of a guy that was there last year. So I would say they're maybe if they 're lucky staying about the same anyways we got some late breaking news, one of the perks of doing the podcast late um i just i don 't understand this man, but anyways um Richard Sherman apparently has been booked and has been charged per King County public records um He's been booked for burglary and domestic violence. There is also V I N V, um, which is uh, on his record here, which is being explained by Joe Fan on Twitter. That that means it's being investigated as a felony. So I don't know what it is, man. And this this does happen pretty regularly, but it, it's just it just boggles my mind because I mean, why why? you've got such such a great fantastic life why do you have to ruin it you know it's funny because you know there's that saying money can't buy you happiness or whatever and a lot of people that have money tend to disagree with that um i think somebody says "If if you think money can't buy happiness you're shopping at the wrong stores i've heard other people say other kind of anecdotes similar to that um implying that it can. And I, I do think it can make you quite happy, but it is what you make it. And it could also make you miserable, right? You have access to money, you can do a lot of very self destructive things. But I, I just I just genuinely don't get it, man. I mean, you you, you made it, you did it, everything is, is great. And, and then this, you know, or, you know, and some things are, are not as bad as others. And some things involve addiction and things that are a little bit more understandable where you you don't want to do it. But then there's other things where it's like, you're just an idiot. And we don't have details here, but, you know, burglary and domestic violence, I don't know how you get away from this one with, with saying, eh, you know, maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. Burglary. Just burglary by itself. It's not as bad as domestic violence, and I'm not trying to say that it is, but it, it, it's the biggest head-scratcher here. You know, it's, it's on par with, or it reminds me of O.J., when he got busted for, like, breaking into some guy's room, roughing him up and taking his stuff back or whatever. Somebody bought his stuff and he stole it from him. So I don't remember exactly, but it's like, what are you doing? Now, Richard Sherman's beyond rich. I don't know what O.J.'s situation was at that time. Probably wasn't great. Um, he'd been through quite a lot, and deservedly so, but, you know, it's a separate conversation. Dude, this guy's got... What are, what are you taking what do you take? I mean it probably was some kind of a domestic dispute and they just added that charge because he, you know, took off with somebody's car or something, you know, in in anger and it wasn't his so they're charging him with family. I I don't know. But um you just see stuff like and it just it kind of it makes you angry but in a way it makes you sad because it's like you you should be living an awesome life, you know? You should be living an awesome life and and it's it's sad for you but it's also sad for I don't know, billions of other people around the planet who don't have what Richard Sherman has, you know, who who probably would do better with the life that he has, could do more good, and um, he's out committing domestic violence and burglary, so, um, you know, again, I, I try not to put too much into these things until some details come out. Um, Maybe he didn't do anything wrong, but it's just sort of a general commentary on these kinds of things, especially in the offseason, it always happens. I just, I don't get it. What are you doing in the offseason? I mean, you, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. If you don't want to play football, you don't have to play football. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to play football, right? He can just retire. I don't think he wants to. I'm just saying, like, people like Richard Sherman, he can just retire. You also don't have to associate with anybody. If there's somebody in your life that is just unbelievably toxic. Don't let it get to here you know work it out you can you can fly across the world and meet with the best counselors and, and work it out and if it doesn't work out then it doesn't work out. How do you allow yourself to get to this point? I don't I just I don't understand it. I'll never understand it. I I'm not saying people don't make mistakes but when you have this this amount of resources um, not to mention your team, although he's a free agent, but you've got an agent, you've got teams, you've got all these resources that if you go to them and be like, I got a problem, I need help, they will go to the ends of the earth to make sure that this valuable asset that they have doesn't do something stupid. They will get you all the help that you could possibly need, but apparently that wasn't how that went down. So Uh, Richard Sherman is, um, more than likely, based on these charges, um, and usually when it's like domestic violence, it's not a matter of false allegations, right? If it's some random person from 10 years ago that says so-and-so did something to me, yeah, maybe. If it's, um, and again, I don't have the details, and they're probably pouring in right now, but um, generally it's, this happened to me like right now, and there's physical signs of abuse, and there's, you know, when you have burglary mixed in, that means he probably had something on him it didn't belong to him and these things are usually pretty cut and dried you know that this is what happened and there's not a lot of a lot of dispute in it but it's it's just it's it's uh, i don't know i don't i don't understand it I, I can't understand it but it is what it is it's also worth noting that sherman was denied bail which is so i don't know I'm, i I should uh this is why i need to have my uh my lawyer on, um, retainer so I can just call him up or whatever. I don't even know what retainer means. I I thought I knew what it meant and I Googled it and I'm like, that's not what I thought it meant. I need to have, uh, access to him whenever I want it. Um, there is a case out here in the Madison area and I won't get into the details because it's pretty horrific, but the person basically, um, his parents are no longer with us. Um, he's been let out. um, so, being denied bail is pretty serious. And 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 here's the thing that the case here is because charges haven't even been brought yet. They must be putting together the case still or whatever. The fact that he was denied bail means that the charges have already come forth. Um he's he's been officially charged and it's a serious enough situation that they denied his bail. That's a serious deal. The one here the the lawyer tried to get a million dollar uh bail. Of course that was denied, but but even so, it was just It was a million bucks, and and you're out, which, of course, he wouldn't have been able to pay, so it's kind of the same thing. But denied bail seems pretty serious to me. Um, In other words, you will not get out of prison. So, um, again, based on the signs, very unlikely. And, you know, innocent until proven guilty, I get it, but very unlikely that this is a misunderstanding. Um, So that's... uh, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Well, anyways, let's uh, continue on. This might be a shorter episode because um, I did have to take a bit of a break there to go upstairs and watch the baby, getting an oil, wife's getting an oil change and everything. We got to get out of here pretty quickly. So um, I will say I've been uh, keeping up with List Watch and it's all been pretty positive. It started off with uh, The Athletic. They're doing a uh, top 100 football players of all time they just got down to number 91 and they got Mr. Willie Davis defensive end for the Green Bay Packers um they list a couple of his accolades here I'm not going to go over the entire article or whatever it is if you do have an athletic subscription it is worth um worth reading um it is kind of funny to listen to how f- green bay it's it's amazing that green bay was ev- ever a thing it's just staggering to me you know i mean if if it wasn't for being in that time period where people just pop up with their own little clubs or whatever, wherever they happen to have them, it just there's no way you would have a team in Green Bay. It just wouldn't be a thing. Um, and even back then, it's surprising that it survived because nobody wanted to go there. And apparently, Willie Davis played for Cleveland, and the the coach over there in Cleveland used to regularly threaten, "If you keep it up, I'm going to send you to Siberia," which is Green Bay. Um, but anyways, Willie Davis at a glance. Defensive lineman, five-time All-Pro, played two seasons with the Browns, ten seasons with the Packers, five-time Pro Bowler, five-time NFL Champion, Hall of Fame class of 1981. Anyways, if I had more time, I'd I'd go through a little bit more of this, but like I said, I'm I'm a little compressed for time. I would encourage you, if you have an athletic subscription, though, to go through and read this because it it is very cool. Obviously, at that time period... Um, back in the Lombardi era, a lot of very, very good football players, and and he kind of took a lot of guys that were not really considered fantastic football players, like Willie Davis, who was playing according to um, uh, Lombardi out of position, but uh, taking them, putting them in a the right position, getting them in the right frame of mind, and just he's such an unbelievable coach. It's it's one of the things that made him such a good coach is his ability to evaluate people, um, not just their position but their mentality and their their what do you call it, their demeanor or whatever, and just, just getting the best out of guys. Um, taking a guy that was a cast off from the Browns and turning him into a, a five-time All-Pro. Uh, continuing on with List Watch, we got Chris Trapasso over at CBS NFL. This time he's looking at, what is this, NFC rookies who could earn key roles. And I, I really thought this isn't going to be worth even bringing up um, because it's either going to be Eric Stokes or Amari Rodgers right? It has to be. I mean, it, it, they, they may have gone with Josh Myers, but again, it's hard to, it's hard to analyze that, I guess. They didn't. And and kudos, by the way, very much to Mr. Chris Trapasso for digging a little bit and coming up with my guy. And I, I need to, I may do this if I have a little bit of time after I get done recording this, go back and actually watch him a little bit again. All I saw were those highlights when we were doing the live stream. And I've been telling you that I really liked what I saw, but I, I haven't gone back and actually really watched the guy. But, um... He picked Mr. Li- uh, Mr. Mr. Linebacker Isaiah McDuffie. He says, impressive stats to know, 107 tackles, 6.5 tackles for a loss, and three sacks in 11 games at Boston College in 2020. McDuffie did not have an illustrious coverage career at Boston College, but it was more about what was asked of him than limited athleticism or complete lack of awareness when sinking in zone or finding a football and man. In other words, not that he can't do it, they just didn't ask him to do it. Um... He's a twitched-up, hair-on-fire, second-level defender who doesn't miss any tackles and will be a better coverage player as a pro than what was than what he was during his productive collegiate career. He's in a fine situation, too. The Packers aren't rife with studs at linebacker. And that pause there, that's a, um, a point that I've made up. Um, as much as people ask me about, what do you think about this guy? It's like, look, I don't expect much, but we don't have much. So it's entirely possible that the guy comes in and is very good, and I... I I don't know why I'm having such a hard time putting my stamp on the guy. I think it's because I haven't gone back and watched, and I, I really need to do that um, because I, I like putting my stamp on guys. I'm I'm probably wrong more often than I'm right, but it's just fun to do. Something something I like to do. Continuing on, he says, and their defensive line is one of the deepest in the NFC, which is, um, I've never heard somebody say that before. Plus, Green Bay has a long history of providing legitimate opportunities to late round or undrafted linebackers. That is true largely because that's the only linebackers <laughs> that they have. Fourth round is as early. Ah, that's not true. Oren Brooks was a third round pick, but yeah. Um, so anyways, that was kind of cool and it kind of reinvigorated. It's it, it's upsetting because if I jump on the bandwagon now, it's like, yeah, Trapasso had it first. It's like, no, I did Continuing on with List Watch, Bucky Brooks comes in and says, let's see, what is the exact verbiage here? Top five most underrated players in 2021. Not NFC, not NFC North. He picked five guys that are the most underrated in 2021. Number one, Matt Stafford. I went over this yesterday. I tend to agree. Although, I don't know if he's super underrated at this point, because it's kind of the floodgates are open, but I get it. Number two, J.C. Jackson of the New England Patriots. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with J.C. Jackson a little bit, I guess. He's he's decent, and, and clearly nobody knows who he is because he's overshadowed by Stephon Gilmore, which is what he goes on to say in this article. But uh, number three, he's got Jerome Baker, which... I'm hoping Miami fans that watch my YouTube channel aren't reading this because they're just going to lose their minds. Anyways, at number four, though, Robert Tunyon, Uh, Green Bay Packers tight end. Casual observers might dismiss Tunyon's breakout 2020 campaign as just a byproduct of Aaron Rodgers' MVP performance, but a closer look at the 27-year-old's game revealed a crafty route runner with soft hands and superb ball skills. The Indiana State product is a space maker between the numbers with a combination of quickness, athleticism, and physicality that enables him to roam free over the middle. With 11 touchdowns on 52 receptions last year, Tunyon emerged as a prolific point scorer for Green Bay. So a couple things. Number five was Hassan Ruddick, which whatever. First of all, I've been been very up and down on this Tunyon thing. Um, I think one of the things that is not fully acknowledged by a lot of Packer fans that are very pro-Tunyon is the fact that he was very up and down right? He would, it was similar to what you got from a guy like Geronimo Allison or, or some of these other guys like MVS that some people say are just really, really good and really, really underrated. They'll go four games where you don't ever see him, and then one game they'll explode, and it's like, boom, I told you he's a freak. Boom, what's up now? And it's like, where has he been though? Did you forget that he's been erased for five weeks? So you can see by grades as well as stats that, um, It's very up and down, right? If you're looking at grades, 47, 65, 78, 83, 56, 55, 76, 63, 59, 48, 78, 65, 79, 49, 52, 71, 69, 62. So that was his only kind of good, not great range. Um, Yardage, 0, 25, 50, 98, 25, 32, 79, 5, 33, 44, 67, 39, 36, 18, 17, 18, 60, 22. So he kind of hovered a lot in that like 30 range. But occasionally, it would have like a 90, you know, uh, against Atlanta, 98 yards and three touchdowns. And that's the game everyone points to, like, dude, he's a freak. He had 25 yards and no touchdowns the next week, 32 yards and no touchdowns the week after that. In fact, he went on a one, two, three, four, five game dry spell from touchdowns after that three touchdown performance. So, so that, the consistency, I guess, would be my one question mark for Robert Tunyon. Generally, I don't use the Aaron Rodgers thing because, again, it, it just doesn't really hold a lot of water. Um, I think that that's a bad argument against Robert Tunyon. Why don't you see that with other guys? Right? It, it, it just it's it's unfair to guys that have breakout years. For I mean, Robert Tunyon, 2018 and 2019. Why? Well, Rodgers wasn't as good. Okay, fine. What about Jace? Why didn't Jace break out the same year? Why is Jace still staying at that you know not great level? Why didn't Lazard get better this year? Why didn't MVS get better this year? Why did no? I mean, even if they got a little better, it was marginally. Bottom line is, most of these guys, if they were good, they stayed good. If they were mediocre, they stayed mediocre. If they were bad, they stayed bad. Tunyon was the one exception. He was a subpar player for two years, and then this year kind of broke out. It's completely unfair and ridiculous to say that it's because of Aaron Rodgers, because that doesn't hold water anywhere else. I think the other thing that I generally don't like is that largely the biggest asset Tunyon had and the reason he quote-unquote broke out is touchdowns. And as I've said, I don't like those kinds of stats. Those are the kinds of stats that don't repeat right? Aaron Jones had the most touchdowns in a season. He didn't the next year and any time after that. It's just a thing that just goes away. I mean, sometimes it sticks around. I think Devontae was up there for a couple of years. Maybe even Aaron Jones is up there for a couple years. I don't know. But it, it's not something that you generally hold on to. It's like sacks and interceptions and all that. It just, it fluctuates. It fluctuates way too much. He averaged 37 yards and less than a touchdown per game. So, you know, is he's not on that Travis Kelsey or George Kittle thing where he's just a constant threat that you need to consistently worry about. He's a guy that, depending on game script, depending on, you know, whatever, maybe they just lean on him one game. Maybe he's just on fire one day. Maybe, And that's, that's a consistent thing with the Packers in general that's kind of annoying. You just you have guys that show up and it's like, dude, that's awesome. And they're like, yep, all right, I'll see you in a couple months. Like, wait, what? what, what, what are you, where, where are you going? What are you, what, I don't know. It's good enough for me. I know nobody's perfect all the time. Kelsey has games where he's not dominant, but it's more of a, a random occurrence where he doesn't show up as opposed to the other way around. So, um, but but on the other hand, it does kind of make sense. Robert Tunyon does fit the mold, 6'5", 237, and I forget, they don't have it listed here, but he's actually really, that was the one thing that shocked me is I was looking at, you know, like, Jace would be a better fit for this role because he's more of a speedy, shifty guy, Tunyon's way faster than Jace. He's faster than all the other guys that we have. He's actually really, really... So it makes sense. I mean, I know speed isn't the only thing, but the point is if you can make it, if you can do it, if you can run run the routes and do all the things that you're being asked and you're trusted enough to be out there on the field and you happen to have all that speed, you're perfect for that role because you're going up against linebackers and you're faster than a lot of linebackers. So his 40 time is a 4-5-8... Jay Sternberger, who is meant to be in that sort of slot role, runs a 4.75. That's that's a lot slower. Deguara runs a 4.72. Now, Deguara's in a different role where that's a little bit more acceptable, but the point is, dude is fast. That is, for a tight end, that is very fast. So, um, I, again, I'm kind of split on it. I, I think, you know, he's an undrafted free agent. He pops up intermittently, again, similar to Geronimo, even Lazard, MVS, those kinds of guys. They're not Like Devontae, where every week you know they're a threat. Like Aaron Jones, like Aaron Rodgers, every week you know they're a threat. Not necessarily. But, I don't know. I think the biggest reason I would count him, um, I don't want to say count him out, but I'm not as big on this train is, again, his one claim to fame is touchdowns, and I expect those to regress. So something has to emerge more so than that, and that has to be consistency. right? He has to up that to about 50, I mean, he, he has to get more... Um, targets. He needs to be a more featured piece of this offense. Considering we've got one guy that is a central piece, central piece as a receiver on this offense, one that's Devonte. He has every ability to step up as a number two. Right. I mean, there's nobody that is a dominant number two on this team. Lazard kind of fills that role. But if if, we, if he was anywhere near a top tight end, he would be commanding, probably competing with Devonte Adams for targets but he's not. So, um, I like Tunyon. I think he brings a And, and, and I think that's more of what the Packers are. They've got guys that, that fill certain roles and they come in at certain times, depending on game plan, depending on opponent and all that stuff. But I don't think they really have a lot of guys that are just take over the game dominant the way Devontae is. And maybe they're fine with it, but the point is I'm not comfortable putting Tunyon in that category because I don't think he is. I like that we have him. I'm glad that we have him. Um, I do think it's fair to call him underrated, but I also think that for the vast majority of Packer fans, or excuse me, NFL fans that are not Packer fans in the media, Tunyon is underrated. For the majority of Packer fans, I tend to think he's a little overrated. That's my stance on it. Anyways, we got a bunch more to go through, uh, but we're going to take a break right here. Once again, please check out the Palmer Home for Children. $894 is where we're at right now. Um, Making quite a bit of headway on that if you want to support me directly you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy we'll take a break and we'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. I mean it's not really news it's just opinion but it's it's kind of interesting i had somebody i don't know if i talked about it very much but i had somebody reach out about um underrated players or whatever and mentioned elton jenkins this one this one surprises me this one surprised me quite a bit and um actually makes me quite excited to learn this um this, again, is Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, as he goes through all these different um, position groups and whatnot, ranking the NFL's top 10 interior offensive linemen for 2021. Again, this is executives, coaches, and players are making their picks. So he just goes through and kind of aggregates that. Um, I wouldn't have thought the Packers would be on it, and I wouldn't even be mad about it. Like It would not have made me mad if no Packers made it, because it would just be kind of understandable. Number one, Quentin Nelson completely understandable. Number two, Zach Martin. Very, very, very good. Brandon Scherf. Very good. Frank Ragnall. Quite good. Um, Joel Bettonio is very good. Joe Thune is very, these are all very good. There's a lot of good guys. Number seven on this list is Elton Jenkins guard, Green Bay Packers. Now I'm not saying I'm surprised because he's not good. I'm just shocked with all the, the talented interior offensive linemen in the NFL, a a brand spanking new offensive guard. Um, who hasn't really had a lot of time for exposure and kind of getting out there and all that, um, <clears throat> to get this level of love from around the league, for to have executives look around and go, dude, that dude Elton is a freak. Um, generally, this is one of those things I would expect where Packer fans see it and it takes a while for everybody to come around. Apparently, it's a well-known thing around the NFL already. So um, let's see, his highest rank... So they list of all the people that they talked to, his highest ranks, somebody had him as the second-best interior offensive line. His lowest was 13th, which is also shocking. I mean, that's crazy. Um, 25 years old. Last year, he was honorable mention. Goes on to say, Jenkins is considered a rising star and will anchor the Packers' interior line after the departure of Corey Lindsley. Quote, he's outstanding, one high-ranking NFL official said. As an AFC defensive coach added, quote, Really good feet, anchor, ideal size, pass protection, better than most interior players. End quote. More than a few voters noticed Jenkins verbally sparred with Aaron Donald between plays of the Packers-Rams postseason game, so Jenkins isn't afraid of the biggest and baddest. I will add to that, and I'd completely forgotten about this, the reason they fought is because he erased Aaron Donald. And and that may be why he's starting to get a lot of respect. I I completely forgot about that, but it's it's... It is one of the better performances. It, it, it rivals Jair in 2019 against the Rams. I mean, you could probably pick Jair, a lot of different examples, but the way that he just completely shut them down over and over and over and over, like, dude, this, is, this guy is a freak, that was almost his, like, breakout performance, even though he's probably done a lot of good things. But to go against arguably the best player in football, period, Aaron Donald, easily arguable at least that he is the best defensive player even easier pass rusher and and I would say without any doubt the best maybe of all time defensive lineman to ever play the game head-to-head with Elton Jenkins and Elton Jenkins erased him like he didn't even exist unbelievable and that's that's where Aaron Donald got frustrated I mean and to see I, I I don't watch Rams games very regularly, right? If, if the Packers aren't on and I, for some reason I care for fantasy football, or whatever, I might be watching it, uh, playoff games, whatever the case may be, then I'll I'll watch a Rams game. But I don't really remember Aaron Donald getting frustrated, getting beat so badly that he gets frustrated and tries to fight a guy. Um, and it happened against Elton Jenkins. All right, let's looking over at PFF real quick here. Um, so Aaron, Don, let, let, let's, do the, let's do it this way. I've, I've talked about how Almost nobody does what Aaron Donald does, right? You got Von Miller, you got Khalil Mack, whatever that, that are just consistently in the elite category. So since 2014, here have been his overall grades for the year, 90, 93, 93, 94, 95, 94, 94, right? So just basically perfect. Um, I think I've mentioned that he's the first person I've ever seen that got a 99. I don't know if I can find that anywhere let's see, 93 that year, 2018, 94, maybe not, maybe I lied. Maybe they just changed their algorithm or something, I don't remember. Anyways, doesn't matter. Here's something interesting, though. I've talked also about some guys who get elite grades that are kind of 50-50, right? They've got a couple elite grades, a couple 80s, a couple 70s, and then there's actually quite a few bad games. Aaron is not one of those guys. He does not really have bad days. Um, he has right here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So about half the season in the 90s. <laughs> Not half the season in the 70s, which guys who have half the season in the 70s are pretty. I, w- I would guess Devonte is probably in that category. Half of his games are 70 or higher. If I just had to guess, probably maybe a little bit more than that, whatever. And he's very, very good. Aaron Donald had half of his games, nine of his games in the 90s. Um, he had one at 87 844, 84 81-2, 75-72, and then a couple high 60s. So he only had two games below a 60. Week two against Philadelphia, and his worst, and even that was a 58-8, so basically average. His game against Green Bay, he had a 53.8 overall grade. Now, that's not even that bad. I mean, it's a subpar performance, but it's it's real low for Aaron Donald. Continuing on, if we look at his pressures, obviously there's several games where he didn't have any sacks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games with no sacks, which is pretty low, but um, the Green Bay Packers game was one of those games. But not only that, looking at pressures, he had 105 pressures on the season, which is stupid. Let me do some quick math here. 105 divided by 606. 17%, 17%, which is pretty standard for him, which is through the roof. I mentioned Zadarius had about 17-something, and it was an unbelievable performance. This is a standard performance for Aaron Donald. He had two games of 10 or more pressures, and then down from there, 9-8-8, 7-7, 6-6-6, obviously five, five, four, four, three, 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 3 3-3-3, and then one game with one. That game was against the Green Bay Packers. He had zero sacks, zero hits, and one hurry in that game. It's the only game where he only had one hurry, and it's one of the only games where he didn't have any sacks or hits. If you look at, let's see, uh, there's the Green Bay game, obviously. The only other game was against Tampa Bay. He had no sacks, no hits, but he had four hurries in that game. But it wasn't just pressures. It was also his impact in the run game. He only had one, two, three, four games without a single stop. The Green Bay game was another one of those, so he didn't have a single sack, didn't have a single hit, didn't have a single stop, which again, PFF classifies stops as tackles that count as a negative play for the offense. He had 32 stops on the season, zero against the Green Bay Packers. Now, to continue on though, I mentioned he had a 53.8 overall grade, and that's quite low for Aaron Donald. Um, If we go back to 2019, his lowest grade was a 67.4 we go back to 2018, his lowest grade is a 64.7. If you go back to 2017, a 70.1. He didn't have a single even average game in 2017. Go back to 2016, he's got two games again below 60, but his lowest was a 55.3. Still not that low. 2015, 55.0. 2014, 49.2. You have to go back to Week 16 against the New York Giants to find a game in which he was graded lower, lower than what Elton Jenkins essentially did to Aaron Donald. Remember how scared we were, too? Because we didn't have David Bakhtiari, and so the thought process was, they're going to be able to dictate to us, and we're in a lot of trouble, right? We're just in a ton of trouble. And I know Aaron Donald probably moved around quite a bit, and I can look at the snap counts, but I don't really care all that much. Um, The bottom line is, Aaron Donald got beat in that game worse than he's been beat in uh, six years by Elton Jenkins, and the whole world saw it. So when I say I'm surprised, I guess maybe I shouldn't be, because everybody watched Aaron Donald get thrown around by Elton Jenkins. And in in reality, the fact of the matter is, and it wasn't just Elton Jenkins, everybody stepped up in that game. Zero sacks given up in that entire game, which kind of goes to what I've been saying. Aaron Donald is a force, but he doesn't have a lot of help. So if they have a game plan to stop Aaron Donald, which largely was Elton just destroying him, they kind of have just a game plan that's going to work. Um, There was only one hit given up by Billy Turner. There were six pressures. Nobody gave up more than two pressures this entire game. Two by Corey Lindsley, two by Lucas Patrick, two by Elton Jenkins, one by Billy Turner. That was it for the whole game. And obviously Aaron Donald only accounted for one of those, so maybe that came against Elton, which, again quite forgivable because <laughs> <laughs> it's Aaron Donald. Anyways, there is quite a bit to go here, but I think I'm going to call it. We're at the 42-ish minute mark, and that's a fantastic place to leave it. Elton Jenkins just being, um, you know, just another example of uh, Gudikon's doing a f- fantastic job for our offense and our defense and for our team in general. Um, an absolute gem. Hopefully, we can get something even remotely close to that from uh, Mr. Uh, Josh Myers. I do want to look at one thing real quick now that I'm thinking about it. So I wanted to go back and see what Elton Jenkins did in college, because the the thing that kind of made me nervous is that Josh Myers, PFF, was not a huge fan. He had a 65 overall grade in 2020, a 72 in 2019. Those are really the only two years he played. Um, But if you look at Elton Jenkins, if we just take his last two years, he played four years, but his last two years years 77 and 66 compared to 65 and 72 it's not all that dissimilar and and either way you wouldn't look at a guy who was at his best in the 70s um but also at his worst i mean and we're talking about mississippi state which is not ohio state so you're not quite playing the same maybe that's not true i don't know what did he play uh florida texas a&m alabama it's all right so it's they're fine um but you wouldn't anticipate, well, this guy's going to be one of the best in football based on what he did in college, but he's doing it. So um, little things like that helped me kind of get over the hump with guys like Josh Myers, who, I mean, really, if you just look at this last year, his best grade was a 70.2. So just it's stuff like that just makes me nervous. But obviously the Packers saw something in him and they believe that he can kind of take that leap. And um, nobody's really upset about it. Nobody's saying it was a terrible pick like they did with the 2020 draft. So um excited. Josh Myers, hopefully he'll be able to continue in that long line. And and whatever you can say about the Packers and and their ability to evaluate certain positions like cornerback or quarterback or whatever the case may be, whatever the gripe may be, offensive line has been a pretty strong point. Offensive line, wide receiver, um, maybe running back, I don't know. I think you can say that they do a pretty good job evaluating those positions. So Uh, excited to see what he can do. And obviously he should be getting a lot of playing time, but I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.